This is a Clark University podcast. Every film is a remake already, in a, in a sense. So you can't just say that there is an original and a remake, because the original is already a remake. It's a remake of a novel, as in the case of The Ring. It's the remake of a script that was obviously written beforehand, which in and of itself is a remake of reality, if you want to get that meta about it, right? So every film is essentially a remake of how we view the world. And so in that respect, I do want students to see the profit motive in Hollywood as a money-making machine, but I don't want to demonize it in the process because that's how capitalism operates. In Tyron Grillo's classroom, students settle in at their desks each week and get ready to watch a movie. The course, called Remaking Japan, Hollywood and Japanese Cinema, grew from Tyron's love of cinema and an interest in studying the adaptation of Japanese films for a Western market. Students watch the originals and the remixes, and study the movies for more than just entertainment value. After looking at enough of these, I started realizing there were certain trends of cultural translation and as my students are discovering cultural erasure that were happening along the way. And it was more than simply looking at Hollywood as a profit-making machine in capitalizing on these stories that had already done well in their home culture, but also looking at what kinds of processes needed to happen for them to be relevant. Everything is so blatantly put forth on the screen, but I want students to look beyond what is being presented on the screen and to actually find those hidden meanings that they might not normally look for because they're just viewing it as passive entertainment. Among the most popular films students study is The Ring, which was released in Japan in 1998. Its Hollywood remake arrived four years later. I'm Melissa Hansen, a producer in Clark's communications office, and this is Challenge Change. I was very struck by my reaction to the remake because I preferred it in many ways. Most of the time I usually don't prefer the remake uh, for various reasons, but in this case I found that it touched me emotionally in a very different way. And even though it was just a horror film, I felt I had an emotional undercurrent that really resonated with me. So I was interested in exploring also the artistry of the film because I couldn't just pass off the remake as a cheap attempt to capitalize again on the story that had already done financially well in Japan and to just simply see it as a profit motive, but rather to actually look at the artistry that went into the film, the directors, the screenwriters, the lighting technicians, the cinematographers, the production designers, etc. And it allowed me to sort of step back from my own reaction and look at it a bit more objectively and creatively. One thing that we discover when looking at remakes is that oftentimes those remakes are translated back, in this case into Japanese, but this happens in other cultures as well, and become financially more successful than the originals did, which is interesting in and of itself. So The Ring, I believe, was a greater box office success in Japan than the original Ring. However, I do know that the Ring in Japan, in its original form, 
was a huge success in the video rental market back when VHS was still a thing. Um, yeah, so I, I think it had a cult following that grew over time after the film had already left theaters. And perhaps because of that increasing amount of success in the sort of video market after its initial release, people from afar in Hollywood probably thought, well, maybe we can do something with this. Tyron feels The Ring transfers more easily than other culturally specific stories. People found it to be worthwhile as a remake. You have to recognize that no one's going to make a movie in Hollywood if they don't think they'll make money off of it. So the profit motive is always there. But beyond that, again, I think we have to look at the creative motivations that go into creating a film. Because it can't just be entirely about profit, because there are people who put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into making a film look and sound and feel good in the way that they want it to. It's a story about motherhood, and that's a perennial theme, you know, as it always has been in cinema. And so I think in that respect, it draws in a fairly wide swath of the American movie viewing public, you know. Um, so if we're going to look beyond questions of character, though, I just think aesthetically it works very well. And I think there was a lot of creative direction that the filmmakers took to make it look beautiful um, in a way that the original wasn't. The original had more of a B-movie quality in terms of its production value, but it told a strong story, and it was based on a very popular novel, which has also been translated into English since then. Yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, the novelist wrote the book while he had his first newborn child on his lap. And I believe his wife was working full time, and he was a stay at home dad wanting to be an author um, and become a successful author. I mean, he had written before that, but The Ring was sort of his breakout success. Um, so there's definitely a lot of parental anxieties encoded into the story, which I think makes it fairly universally applicable. Raul Martins, a first-year student who plans to major in interactive media, game design and development on the writing track at the Becker School of Design and Technology, is taking Tyron's class this semester. The course hits at the right intersection of his interests in culture and writing. When I found this class, I was like, that's interesting. It really caught my eye. I really like Japanese culture in general. I watch a lot of anime, I read a lot of manga, and I know a decent chunk about the like Japanese cinema world a little bit. But I was interested in what this class could kind of be. I'd always watched The Ring. I w I, my first experience to it was the remake. And uh, I was, wow, I, I hated it. <laughs> I, I never really liked it. I disliked um, a lot of the thi a lot of the things. I respected a majority of the movie, but I never really liked like a lot of aspects about it. I just thought they were like dodgy and didn't make a lot of sense to me at the time. And then I had thought that I was gonna like the original more. No, the original had what what he kind of said with really low production value. Pretty much was just kind of a B movie with an interesting story, but it kind of fell short in a lot of areas, way more than the ad adaptation. So I thought that was interesting, and I'll have to say that I do like the remake more, but um, I do appreciate the remake a little bit better, but I still do find it odd that both movies kind of like, I don't know, they both kind of like, they're so close to doing something right, and I feel like they just miss it by a mark, I think. 
there are many ways Japanese culture gets lost in these adaptations. But Tyron finds it more compelling to analyze what's added to these films in an attempt to retain a connection to Japan. At the beginning of this course, as I did this year, I always show the first 15 minutes of a film called One Missed Call. And in the American remake, this character who sort of sets off the whole chain of events in the film is mysteriously murdered by some ghost-like presence in her backyard. But she lives in this beautiful Japanese traditional house with a garden and a bonsai-like tree and this beautiful sunset in the background. And it's very odd because one can only imagine that the production designers placed her in this traditional Japanese house, even though this takes place in America, as a sort of homage or a nod to the original. But then it becomes very tokenizing because why does she have to be in that sort of setting anyway, right? I mean, there are plenty of other ways one could pay respect to its original source without actually doing that. Um, and oftentimes in the credits, you will not see based on the original film by so-and-so. Um, there are exceptions to that, but usually it's very much buried in the credits and you have to really dig for it to find it. So there's a lot of attempts to fully erase any traces of its original source. In the case of Shall We Dance, Hollywood shifted character dynamics, creating a film that had large cultural differences compared to the original. In the original, the storyline is based on a typical salary man who has pretty much everything that he could want in life. He's got financial security, a new house, a car, a wife and child, but he is very disillusioned by what these material comforts should bring to him. And he takes up ballroom dancing as a hobby. But he does so in secret because at that time, at least in Japan, ballroom dancing was socially taboo because it means you're engaging in close physical contact with someone who is not your spouse. So he hides this for that very reason. And that's the entire crux of the film. It's based on him breaking that social taboo, keeping it a secret, and then when it's finally revealed to see how it transforms the lives of himself and everyone around him. But in the uh, remake, however, we have, again, a, a harried businessman who is um, disillusioned with his life, who also takes up ballroom dancing and keeps it a secret. But the reason is not the same. For longer than he can remember, John Clark has led a dull existence. The mind-numbing commute. The family he never sees. Dad work late tonight? It looks that way. But one night, he looks up, and his whole life changes. Have you ever danced before? No. The filmmakers attempted to make this culturally viable by saying, well, he's too afraid to admit that he's not happy, and that's why he hides it from his wife, because he doesn't want to tell her, what we have is not good enough for me. But that doesn't feel like necessarily the cultural equivalent of why it happened in the original, right? It has a very different sort of resonance to me. And it actually, in my critical view, allows the main character to sexually objectify a dance instructor from whom he learns all of these new techniques in a way that doesn't quite happen in the original. And in the remake, this is Richard Gere and Jennifer Lopez. So 
the dynamic is also very different because you have big stars whose status as sex symbols in their own rights does not allow us to separate that sexuality from the characters they are trying to portray. So there might have been a different way to make it more culturally appropriate. The other flip side of that, however, is to say that, well, maybe that's precisely what needs to happen to make it, you know, American, because maybe we are a culture that is obsessed with objectification, and maybe there is no way for a businessman to have a relationship, however platonic, with a dance instructor to secretly take dance lessons with and have it not be sexual. And this is the, the point I'm also trying to make in the course is that I have my own opinions and I have no problem sharing them with my students, but everyone's got pretty varied reactions to these films as well. And it's important to recognize the validity of all of those reactions because there's no one way to criticize or praise a film in either direction. To learn more about Asian studies at Clark, visit clarku.edu slash Asian studies. Challenge Change is produced by Andrew Hart and Melissa Hansen for Clark University. Find other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. One, two, three. Clark! <laughs>